Hello and welcome to episode 159 of the Thinking LSAT podcast in Vienna, Virginia. This is Ben Olson in Los Angeles. With me is Nathan Fox. How's it going? Good, man. Got a new class started uh, tonight in another brand new venue. My old venue, downtown LA, closed down. So I'm homeless yet again. It's like the, it's going to be like the 30th new <laughs> classroom probably that I've taught in in my career. Wow. Um, so wait, why did the old place? It was a, like a, it was a really cool spot. It was a co working place in downtown LA called Control. And uh, they just went out of business. I mean, I, they were giving me a ridiculously good deal, like like comically good deal. I was paying, you won't believe it, I was paying $69 a month for unlimited use of their small classroom space. What? Yeah, that's insane. <laughs> because, because they gave me a nights and weekends membership for $69. Huh. And oh, then, nights and weekends. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and then... Uh, and then just, yeah, it's like, oh, well, the classroom is included in that. I'm like, okay, great. <laughs> and I, and I would go on their online scheduling tool and just schedule all the nights that I wanted and Saturday practice tests and all types of shit. Anyway, they, um, I don't know, they went out of business. <laughs> I think because they I weren't think. charging enough. <laughs> <laughs> I think we know the reason. Okay. Yeah. So now I'm well. renting a classroom at an English learning school uh, on Wilshire it's actually great. It's closer to my place. It's going to be a nicer uh, area there in Koreatown and it's up on the 10th floor. So they'll have like views and stuff. Yeah. It's, it's going to be nice. Um, looking forward to it. Cool. Yeah. My, uh, classes just started on Monday. So two days ago. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, it's a fun group already. So excited. Excellent. Today on the show, we have, um, I guess two reports from the September LSAT that, uh, not, didn't happen just too long ago, about a week ago or so. We have a fee waiver question, and uh, we're going to jump into at least one logical reasoning question from the June 2007 LSAT, maybe two. Uh, we haven't done that for a while, so kind of excited to do that. Yeah, if, just peek uh, behind the curtain. We we uh, Sarah, one of our awesome gatekeepers, is uh, has been going through and and documenting where we did all of those June 2007 explanations way back in the day. And there's a couple of them that uh, have been somehow lost to history. So we might be redoing questions that we've talked about before. But if we did, we talked about them on like episode 42. So you probably did not listen to it. Or if you did, you listened to it a while back. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So we'll do it again. Cool. If you have any questions for us, you can always email us at help at com. That goes to... Sarah and I guess Annalisa now as well, maybe. Yep. And um, they will either help you find an episode that answers your question or put it on the agenda. If you have not joined the Facebook group, uh, we have 894 members at this point. There's a lot of chatter going on over there. Uh, if you have questions, you can also just ask the group and see what uh, people tell you. A lot of times they'll point you in the right direction. You can always tweet us at thinking lsat or nathan at n fox or me at olson benjamin uh i do classes and online things related to the lsat at strategyprep.com and nathan does that at foxlsat.com uh, his classes are in la and san francisco and yeah check it out we also both have a joint project it's the lsat demon lsatdemon.com 
check that out as well. And um, yeah, go from there. Anything you want to add to that? No, no, let's get into it. Okay. So quick update. We do have a class coming up on October 20th and 21st that's going to be in Chicago. Uh, It's a weekend class all day, Saturday and Sunday. You can sign up at thinkinglsat.com. Looking forward to it. You you noted here that you wanted to go through some of the food and drink recommendations. Well, yeah, because we need to um, we need to put the call out earlier for the, the the eating and drinking components of the class to make sure that we pick the right spot and uh, get the right get, get make sure everybody uh, comes out and meets with us. So I just did you happen to look at any of these uh, awesome recommendations that people suggested? I did not look. I did see the comment that I'm apparently going to eat a lot of food or something. Oh, I just there's so <laughs> many amazing um, there's so many amazing recommendations. I was just excited to to think about what you uh, what you might be able to do at uh, at any of these places. Um, <laughs> we have so I guess you've never heard of them or 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 been to any of them. No, um, we have. I am excited about going to Goose Island Tap Room because I drink a lot of Goose Island IPA here in Los Angeles. But if we okay. go to the Tap Room, you know, at the Source, that sounds like it would be fun. There's Replay in Lincoln Park. That's a uh, eating, drinking, and games establishment, like video games type of uh, place. And I think maybe also group games like skee ball and that kind of stuff too. So mm-hmm. maybe mm-hmm. Ben, you and I should have like a uh, like a skee ball challenge or something um i'm pretty terrible at it i think i I like skee-ball actually yeah you probably have a little more skee-ball in your recent history with uh raising four boys (laughs) recently i imagine you might have been around skee-ball adjacent uh once or twice there's that's not that's not my most recent experience but it certainly is yeah related it helps i I think i've I've got a knack for it or at least oh you're just good at it you're you're a (laughs) skee-ball natural Yeah, you know, it's one of those skills that is unprofitable, but that's awesome. Um, yeah, there's this place, the uh, the Red Lion Pub. I don't know if you're looking at the links, uh, Ben, but this is a it's, it's a pub um, just there, right by DePaul, where we're teaching the class. And it looks like it has some very delicious. I don't know if that's poutine. Oh, that is that's brisket poutine. Whoa, with a fried egg on top of it. That looks pretty delicious. Um, all right. Well, anyway, we're, we're going to have to figure it out. Maybe I'll put a poll on the Facebook group so that we can, uh, make sure we pick the right place. There's taco and burrito place. Number, uh, sorry, taco and burrito palace. Number two in Lincoln mm. park. Okay. It has mm-hmm. some beautiful looking, uh, Mexican food. I'm sure you're a Mexican food fan, Ben. I love it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, oh, and then a place called Potbelly sandwich. It's a sandwich shop. So we got all kinds of options. For, oh, Potbelly. Uh, yeah, that's just like a chain. Have you ever you you don't have Potbelly out in California? I forgot. I guess no, but somebody yeah. somebody chimed in and said that it was the original one. It's the first Potbelly's. Oh, got it. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I, none of all this stuff is new to me. So I'm just going to be excited to be uh, in Chicago in the fall and uh, hopefully with a bunch of great uh, students and listeners. Yeah. Yeah. Likewise. We'll announce a happy hour and we'll we'll invite everybody in the Facebook group and we'll try to just get uh, it's you know if you signed up for the class obviously you should come to our happy hour but even if you haven't signed up for the class uh, you're welcome to come join us for a cocktail so it'd be great to see everybody yeah and that class by the way is uh, filling up 
uh, I think faster a little bit than the other ones. So maybe we've given people enough heads up that they can <laughs> start planning. Yeah. And the room is now official at DePaul. Um, I, do we know how, is that, is there a limited number of seats in that room? I, there is. I mean, obviously it's not infinite. (laughs) Is it an infinite room? (laughs) No, it's $69. Yeah. And it's infinite, you know? Cool. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know what the limit is, but. Okay. So is there a link that they can go to directly to sign up or. Oh, the link. Yeah. Is uh, thinkinglsat.com forward slash blog forward slash Chicago. Okay, great. Cool. See y'all there. Uh, I looked at our our stats every once in a while. I just peek at our stats to see if people are still listening to the show or if we're just speaking into the void. Mm. And um, I noticed that we were on like 999,907 shows downloaded, episodes downloaded. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, I just hit refresh, 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 refresh. No, I didn't. But I did check back like an hour later. <laughs> and when I checked back an hour later, it officially had reached seven digits. And we are, we are now at one million, uh, over one million episodes downloaded. Awesome. Yeah. That is awesome. Well, thank you, everyone, for so, downloading. I, mean, I hope you're listening. You don't have to listen. You can just download. That'll yeah. make us feel better. <laughs> if you hate bandwidth, you could just download all the whole podcast episodes over and over and over just to use up all of your data or something. I don't know. Um, (laughs) I had some interesting interactions recently. (laughs) Funny side note with people who don't understand how podcasts work at all. Someone, someone claimed that because their phone, they couldn't, they couldn't download the podcast because they didn't have enough storage on their phone because they didn't have enough room for apps. Mm Hmm. And so then me and my other friend were just kind of laughing, explaining, one, you have an iPhone, so you already have the app. Two, a podcast takes up like just almost no space these days compared to compa- compared to everything else that's on your phone. You could yeah. you could easily store our whole back catalog on your phone probably a thousand times over. Yeah. Because uh, it just doesn't take up any space at all. Anyway, I thought that was kind of amusing. That is amusing. I, that reminds me of a a story that's a little embarrassing for me, but you know, life happens. Perfect. This takes place when I bought my first iPhone. It was an iPhone three, I think uh-huh. that's when I took the plunge. Uh-huh. And I remember I went to the AT&T store and they had three options. Back then it was 16 um, gigabytes, 32 gigabytes or 64 gigabytes. Okay. Or no, a 32 may have been the max. It may have been 8, 16, and 32. I mean, this, you know, back then. That sounds they, right. They, yeah. They, they didn't get very large. But, anyways, right. for some reason, when I was at the store, I thought the guy was saying 8 megabytes, 16 megabytes, and 32 megabytes. Uh huh. And he goes, Well, do you want the 8, the 16, or the 32? And I, I looked at him and I was like, uh, Well, Okay, so it's more expensive for the 32. And um, I was just trying to get my brain wrapped around it. I was like, how how could you have anything if you only have 32 megabytes? So he, I, he, you know, I started asking, or no, he started asking me questions. He says, well, do you, do you think you're going to download a lot of videos? And I said, well, I don't think so. I mean, 
He's like, how about pictures? I was like, maybe, maybe, I I don't know. This is my first iPhone. And I was saying no to all his questions, but I just couldn't imagine not quickly using up 32 megabytes. So I said, I'm sorry, I'm just going to have to get the 32. So um, I got it. And then I go home and I start downloading apps. And like the first app I downloaded, I think was... 120 megabytes, right? So that's clearly way past the 32 <laughs> megabytes the phone is supposed I mean, this is so stupid, right, that I couldn't figure this out. But I remember sitting there thinking, and, you know, it's just weird how your mind tries to justify things or reconcile things. I was like, maybe it downloads... <laughs> this is so stupid. Maybe it downloads the app, but only the portion that you need. <laughs> <laughs> And then, seriously, at like 1 o'clock in the morning, I'm like, oh my god, it's 32 gigabytes. This makes so much more sense, and I just felt like the biggest idiot. But, um, yeah, I was happy that did, I got the 32 Did you gigabytes. ever? That's funny. Did you ever come close to using up the 32 gigabytes on that phone? I don't think I did. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, I never had, I didn't ever have range anxiety, so to speak. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't hurt you to have more. So yeah. Anyway, so that's my embarrassing story. I just shared it. <laughs> you enriched Apple Apple Computer Corporation. Yes, that's through your true. Stupidity, but my <laughs> <laughs> immense stupidity. A couple of hundred bucks. Yeah. Uh, anyway, did you Ben ever think that we would reach one million? Can you imagine that there are over one million hours of us? out there in the ether. Um, yeah, that is disturbing. Uh, but no, there's no way, especially when we started this, right? We were just talking to ourselves. No one had written into the show. So it's a surprising, yeah. Occurrence, I guess. Phenomenon. I'm going to use LSAT lingo. <laughs> yeah. Thanks. Thanks a lot to all of the listeners and everybody who has supported us in a million different ways. We, we've been, really it's been a really fun um journey and uh, we're looking forward to the next what have we been doing it now for been four years something like that something like yeah. that so the mm-hmm. next four years uh see the bummer is now that we made it to seven digits now we have to get to eight digits you know mm. the next major milestone is going to be 10 million downloads well that's kind of overwhelming it's gonna be it's gonna be a while <laughs> yeah but uh who knows we might be able to make that in four years the first million's the hard one. That's what they say. <laughs> Dude, that is not a million dollars. <laughs> All right. Well, um, cool. So we have an update here from Alex, one of your tutoring students. Uh, oh, good. Yeah. Okay. Um, sure, I'll read it. Uh, it says, okay. the September LSAT felt pretty average to me. My proctor forgot the five-minute warning and was bullied into giving us another minute to fill out our bubble sheet. I felt bad for the guy. The person next to me was pleading with me to file a complaint and was really pissed off. The funniest part about it? There was a wall clock in the room, and the time that the section ended was written on the board. All you had to do was look up, and you knew exactly where you were. Anyway, first LSAT attempt was not nearly as stressful as some people make it out to be. I owe a lot of that to you and the podcast for preaching to just take a breath. So thank you for that. And uh, yeah, that was from Alex, one of my uh, recent tutoring students. So 
Thanks, Alex, for the update. That's awesome. Uh, I had a couple of f- things I wanted to talk about with this email. The first is I had a proctor the other I, I was talking to a tutoring student the other day and I was kind of preaching my, hey, you know, seems like your watch is giving you anxiety. I don't really think it's helping you. You know, maybe you're tempted to look at it too much. And if that's the case, just why don't you just not even bring a watch with you at all? Mm-hmm. Let the proctor run the time and and let everybody else, you know, help you if let everybody else uh manage the proctor if the proctor messes up. Mhm. Yeah. And the student goes, "Well, but I don't think the proctor's going to mess up." Mm. <laughs> and then, I, then I laughed because we regularly get emails like this of the proctor doing something wrong. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. every every time the proctor messes up, it it always turns out to be this situation where other people in the room are already managing the proctor anyway. Yep. Uh, here we have the proctor actually getting bullied into giving us another minute to fill out our bubble sheet, which I've heard that before too. Yeah. I've heard them giving five more minutes. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> That's like bank error in your favor. Yeah. And then, and then you still have the people that report it, right? Like <laughs> why are they reporting it when it helps them? I mean, I guess if they had finished on time and were acing the test, but even then I don't think they'd care. Yeah, but, I, it's just it's just a special breed, special breed of people, <laughs> man. These people are ridiculous. Um, oh, that's another thing on the Facebook group. They just it just got posted today that somebody's like suing Duke and Harvard and a bunch of other and the LSAC and everything, suing them about because he didn't he didn't take the LSAT <laughs> and okay. was thereby denied from a bunch of law schools okay and so he's then suing them for um basically like it's the the we have the whole text of the complaint the pdf of the complaint somebody posted it to the facebook group so um you can read it if you want to get a little chuckle um it's outrageous it's just it's so stupid um suing yeah it's basically like false imprisonment (laughs) <laughs> D- denial of like uh you know life and liberty and, and oh. the pursuit of happiness and also financial damages because uh he's been he's been he's he's kept in a in prison because he is not allowed to go to law school so wow because he chose not to take the LSAT because he didn't take the admission test yeah hmm interesting it, uh, yeah, yeah i mean you'll have to check it out it's clearly like insanity but i guess by that reasoning we should tell people that they shouldn't or don't need to take their driving test. Oh they yeah. Just Cause it's be an arbitrary drive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> go, yeah. Go to, uh, go to uh, Facebook and, and join the, uh, thinking LSAT podcast group and you can see all sorts of, uh, cool stuff <laughs> like this crazy story. Um, yeah, I, I, I wanted to comment on Alex's report. The other thing is the, um, this person next to him who's pleading with him to file pleading with Alex to file a complaint. Why? I know, but isn't that just so perfect? Isn't, isn't that, I mean, can you imagine how counterproductive that is? (laughs) The, the waste of energy there the waste of focus and the just you're you know letting your emotions 
get so caught up in a thing that just, it literally does not impact your score. If you're doing the test properly, you know, it actually should be in your benefit if the proctor forgets to call five minutes. Cause yeah, because you don't start rushing at the end. Right. So you'll just calmly, carefully spend your whole 35 minutes just answering one question and then one more question and then one more question. And then if the proctor forgot to give you a five-minute warning and then you just have – but now gives you an additional minute, well, that's more than enough time to just bubble in your guesses for whatever questions you didn't have time to complete. Mm-hmm. But you still did work diligently for 35 minutes. It's like – I think the five minute warning really fucks people up. Yeah. You know, I agree. It's, it's like, um, Ben's yawning. He's bored. (laughs) Um, no, I don't actually understand. I just drank some coffee and like, now I'm getting more tired. Is is that a thing? (laughs) I I don't know. Is it possible? Um, anyway, sorry. Go ahead. Nothing. It's just, it's, it's like, um, People lose their minds after the five-minute warning. They think that they're going to magically get a whole bunch of extra questions right after the five-minute warning. And yeah. so just the mindset of this person who is so pissed off about not getting a five-minute warning. I mean, this person got the full 35 minutes. In fact, this person ends up getting 36 minutes. Mm-hmm. But because the proctor just didn't do it perfect, you were supposed to give a five-minute warning. And so now... Not only is this person pissed off enough to write a complaint, but pissed off enough to try to bully Alex into filing a complaint. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's just, I don't know. It, it's, uh, I would love to be able to make a wager on how well that person did on their test. I, I'm sure not well. Well, it's a classic example of putting more weight on like the process or blaming others than realizing your goal. People do write me every now and then pointing out something that went wrong with their test administration. You know, the proctor didn't give the five minute warning or the proctor talked on their cell phone or the test. Uh, Someone just wrote me the other day and said that the glue of their test had (laughs) stuck to a couple questions. And so then when they opened it, it, destroyed part of the question and that question was hard to read and so and it was it hurt two lr questions that were early on in the section oh and no she, didn't, she couldn't read it and she's like this is annoying because these are questions i'd almost certainly get right you know and so she was asking me should she report it and i said well look the only reason to report for you is the only benefit to you is that they would cancel your score if you haven't done so in the six day window that you have the chance to do so. And then they would ask you, well, they'd ask you, do you want to cancel your score and then retake it? And so the issue isn't, should I report this or not? Or was this bad or not for, for LSAC? Or was this a mistake? In almost all cases, it probably was a mistake. The question is, well, if you're given the opportunity to cancel, would you cancel? Like, is your score so affected that you should actually not take a score for this sitting? And if you should get your score, then 
yeah, you can report if you want to, but it's not going to do you any good. Like you have to think about your goal and your goal is to get a good score out of this test or to cancel it if your score was totally destroyed. But you have that option to do regardless of whether you report it. So um, the only other thing I would consider is whether you know you're going to cancel and therefore want to take it again and maybe reporting it would allow you to take it again for free. Other than that, um, in most cases, even if something bad happened, if you want to keep your score, there's no point in reporting it. Yeah. I, <laughs> and there's certainly no point in trying to bully your seatmate at the test into filing a, also filing an LSAT complaint. Yeah. I mean, what are you trying to do? Get the proctor fired? The proctor already, <laughs> they have a part-time gig, which is like six days a year <laughs> where they work half a day you know, for, I'm sure $15 an hour, $20 an hour, right? Like this is not, they might even be assigned by their university to take care of this test that the university has agreed. That's to true. Host. If they're doing it under their university obligations. Yeah. That might be part of the, they might just be still like, so sorry, you have to work Saturday. You're a salaried yep. employee. We need you to do this thing. Yeah. They don't give a shit. These proctors, why would they care? It's not their job. That's not their full-time job. This is exactly, by the way, why the LSAT should just be at all of the testing centers around the country, which are professionally administered testing facilities. God damn it. How many times do we have to say that? I don't know. A million. Never. We're never stopping. It's never going to stop because they're never going to do it. They're, They're already going down this road of, you know, they're out there buying a banks of tablets oh so my goodness do their some own some samsung like salesperson is like yay oh yeah can you imagine enterprise sales at, <laughs> at samsung's like shit yeah you got these suckers to buy f- five thousand of these tablets five thousand or whatever it is i mean probably it's, right well so more a hundred thousand people 120 thousand people take the test a year oh. and there's about 30 to 40 depending on the test that's, yeah, thirty to forty thousand taking it each administration. So you need a, you know, if they're all taking it on the same day, or at least the vast majority of those people, you need at least twenty five thousand tablets, and you're you gonna know, have to think, have extras. <laughs> if you if you think about what they're doing, they're building this excess capacity now. Like it's like they want to go compete with the testing centers. Yeah, because then you have all these tablets sitting around (laughs) yeah they they might as well use those things for something there's there's an opportunity out there for somebody uh if you're if you're enterprising uh uh, young entrepreneur if you can figure out a way to use these uh, lsat tablets for something else uh, lsat's going to make the capital investment for you so they're just going to be sitting around big big ass bank of of tablets but i'm sure they're going to be like walled off you know it's like the tablet is going to be nerfed into a thing that can only be used for, <laughs> for taking the LSAT. Yeah. Six times a year. At other, at other times it goes into hibernation and cannot be turned on or something. What an amazingly stupid plan, especially when there already is unlimited capacity at all of these testing centers that exist in every city. <sighs> I took my, I'll never forget taking my, I, I took my GMAT in like the little tiny it was in i was in newton massachusetts in it's like this you know suburb outside of boston mm-hmm. it's like a quaint it looks like a you know new englandy like village kind of part of town 
Yeah. And I just, I, I made an appointment and I rolled into a, a, a testing center. It wasn't huge. It had, you know, six or eight or 10 like blue screen uh, terminals. Mm-hmm. And it, I just, you know, the guy said, okay, yeah, here you go over here. Uh, sit down and ready to go. Okay. Hit start. And then it's just like the GMAT. Yeah. And there was no one else in the room taking the GMAT. In fact, there was no one else in the room. Mm. So it was like perfectly, really no way to cheat. Mm-hmm. A professional dude who 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 does nothing but administer tests all day, every day, was mm-hmm. there as my proctor. Hmm. He was not talking on his cell phone. Yeah. He... <laughs> There was no five minute warning to fuck up because it was all like, you know, encoded in the computer. Yeah. Um, yeah. Anyway. <laughs> um, so thank you, Alex, for this report. Um, yeah. It, this is clearly like somebody externalizing their, their, their problems, right? Like they're, mm-hmm. they're not good enough at the LSAT, so they're pissed off. So now they're lashing out at this poor proctor. Who forgot to give the five minute warning? Crazy. All right. Next one. Yeah, next one. Hey, Ben and Nathan. Just finished taking the LSAT in New York City. Yes, on September 15th. Apparently, my test center was overbooked. So last Thursday, the LSAT kindly switched my test center and date two days before the test. <laughs> kindly. Yeah. I, there's a little stink on that. Huh. Well, that's interesting. I'm surprised that they were overbooked. Doesn't seem like something the LSAC would do. They're normally so perfectly organized. <laughs> Anyways, I showed up to my test center with an updated admission ticket, September fifteenth instead of eighth, and one of the two people in my test and was one of the two people in my test room. Wow, a small room. I pulled out my green quote "Better Call Nathan" pencils, ready to take the test. <laughs> I, I forgot your pencils say that on there. <laughs> they do, obviously a reference to "Better Call Saul." I guess. Yes, that's right. The it's old a man very pro- stupid joke, but. Better than no joke. Better than no joke. Yep. Well, some, yeah, sometimes no joke is better, but... <laughs> <laughs> this is probably one of those cases. <laughs> the old man proctor was highly suspicious of my pencils. What? It's a pencil. This is really low tech. Who is Nathan? Are pencils allowed to have text on them? <laughs> yes, this is it. Uh, a mnemonic device to remind me of all the different question types and logical reasoning. <laughs> I pointed out that even Staples brand pencils have staples and number two written on them. So he allowed them. Oh, there you go. Using your logical reasoning analogy skills. Once he read the instructions, I found out, I found out the other girl was an accommodated test taker. I was not. The proctor said that he would tell me when to stop and that she would complete one section by the time I was done with two. How organized. <laughs> that's, that's interesting. Wow. This is distracting, too, for the accommodated test taker. Uh, I'm talking to the other tester in the, test taker in the room here. Sorry. Anyways, during the test, we had a failing smoke alarm. Lights that went off a few times. The proctor's noisy pistachios. <laughs> That's a new one. I like that's a nice detail. That's funny. You could picture that. Yeah. I have a fantasy about somebody, our listeners, um, being good at like graphics or, or, you know, like comic book style art. Yeah. 
because boy, would I love to see like a cartoon, like short. Can you imagine short videos <laughs> of like a short video of this? Oh God, it's perfect. Yeah. It'd be so funny. The old man, I could just imagine the old man with like hair growing out of his ears and uh, on his nose and stuff. And he's, he's like, he envisions himself as the tip of the spear, you know, he's like really, he's on it. Cause like mm. some proctors are on it and some proctors are not on it, but this guy, he seems he's clearly on it. He's like mm. investigating the pencils to yeah. make sure they don't have any cheat codes written on them, you know? Mm-hmm. And then the guy fucking sitting there eating pistachios. <laughs> Just That's crazy. They must, <laughs> be, must be shelled pistachios. The well, unshelled pistachios are amazing, by the way, because you can just consume them at <laughs> such a fast rate. That's high. Yeah, that's a calorie-dense, nutrient-dense food there if they're already shelled. Mm-hmm. Um, no, this guy clearly is, is the shells are on there because otherwise, why would they be so noisy? Mm-hmm. This dude's got like two bowls set out in front of him on the table and he's just cracking <laughs> the pistachios, throwing the shells in one bowl <laughs> and munching on the other. Oh, my God. Okay, anyway, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, I mean, it continues. A couple phone calls on the Proctor's end. That's so crazy. And phone calls. Jesus yeah, that's, Christ. Yeah, that's rude. If you don't realize that your pistachios are <laughs> making a noise, that's one thing. But a phone call. I mean, I think we all know in this day and age, you can't take a freaking phone call. With all the LSAT, you know, they're, how they're so, like, overly officious with all their emails out to the students and stuff. Yeah. It does seem like they could do a little bit of proctor training. And like, think about how easy it would be if they were hosted at test centers around the world. Because then when you have a complaint, you email the test center and they say, oh, we'll fix the problem here at this center. <laughs> yeah, say, well, If you don't fix it, we'll never have your test there again. What it's are like, those test centers called? I'm annoyed that we keep saying test centers. I don't know. <laughs> I I feel like there's... A big chain of them trying to do a quick Google search, but I don't even know what to look for, for the name of it. Oh, Pearson professional centers. Okay. That's one. In fact, it's looking like, okay. So I just looked at Massachusetts first and it's like all of it's like Pearson, Pearson, Pearson. Mm -hmm. Okay. So that's, let me look at California. Pearson, 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 Pearson. Wow. Okay. And like, you know, it's just immediately you see like dozens of these things all over the place, including places that are just like nowhere. Like, so this is like Santa Maria, California, which is like out by, you know, Buellton, sort of like Mm. Santa Barbara wine country kind of thing. Mm -hmm. I'm sure those people, when they take the LSAT, they either have to go to Santa Barbara or maybe L.A., but if, if LSAC was just using these Pearson testing centers... It would just be right there in the little town of Santa Maria. There you go. Okay. Anyway. Um, yeah. Santa- which, by the way, has professional test administration every day. Yep. Or you could have an old man who is cracking pistachios and talking on the phone. Okay. Crazy. All right. So, Senna continues, maybe more distractions, but I'm pretty good at tuning things out. The accommodated girl seemed pretty disturbed by it all, and she definitely took the last 10 minutes of her section when she was waiting for her 70 minutes to be up 
to death glare the old man proctor. <laughs> okay, good use of energy there. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's also goes to show that like seventy minutes, man. When you seventy minutes is just outrageously too much time. It is. I would not want seventy. I can't imagine what I would do with seventy minutes. I thought LR might have, may have been the easiest I've ever seen. Games were easy, but RC kind of made me want to call Nathan. I usually always finish everything and have been scoring in the 170s, but I didn't get to the last bit of RC. I'm hoping that I can still get in my range, but regardless, I'm hoping to crush it in November. Thanks again for the class in New York City. Since the game, since then, games have just become laughably easily easy. Hope to see you both in Chicago. Wow, she's coming back. That's great. Yeah, awesome. Thanks, Anna. We uh, really enjoyed having you in the class in New York. And um, also, you owe me a beer. And so, yeah, come to Chicago. <laughs> she owes you a beer? <laughs> she does, yeah, from McSorley's Tavern. Mm-hmm. That's right. Oh. Don't think I didn't forget. <laughs> <Don't> th- <laughs> come hang out with us. We'll buy you a beer and expect one in return. <laughs> uh, that's awesome. Boy, laughably easy games. That's awesome. That is awesome. LR may have been the easiest I have ever seen. Okay. And a little bit of tough RC. Yeah, I guess I heard some tough RC. Hmm. All right. Looking forward to getting our hands on it. We're going to do that test in Chicago. We are. That's right. That'll be fun. That will be fun. Next one. Hi, Nathan and Ben. My name is Will. You can say my name if this makes it onto the show, but I'd like to be called Chocolate Bear for fun. Okay. Chocolate bear. I just took the September 2018 LSAT. I have no idea at all of how I did. Regardless, I'm turning my attention to my law school applications until scores come back. My question is, do you think it is a good idea to ask for fee waivers before I even have an LSAT score on record? I would like to have my application strategy determined as soon as I get my score back and fee waivers will affect that. Thanks. I love the show for all the advice and LSAC hate you guys dish out. Sincerely, Will, parentheses, chocolate bear. <laughs> okay. So first, Will, we don't have any context for your chocolate bear nickname, but um, hey, that's cool. As for the question, uh I guess if you really want to have all your ducks in a row, you could ask them. And if they deny you, you could ask again once you get your LSAT score back. Um, At the same time, I might just save yourself the time and wait. As far as just asking for fee waivers, there's nothing. You can always ask for fee waivers, right? I mean, if you visit a school, ask for a fee waiver. If you go to one of these LSAC forums, ask for a fee waiver. You can start a, you can start racking up those fee waivers anytime. But I I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I guess when it's, it seems like Will is making a decent decision here to say, well, when my score comes out, that's when I'm going to then I'll figure out where to apply, right? I mean, that's what Will's saying. Yeah. Fee well, waiver doesn't cost you anything, so you can go ahead and ask. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I guess I would get my score and then say, okay, this is where I'm going to apply and then just email them all in a span of 15 minutes. (laughs) True. Right. It's not like this takes a whole lot of time. It doesn't take a whole lot of time now and it doesn't take a whole lot of time then either way. Um, Yeah. 
it, probably wise of Will to be thinking about getting application stuff in, though. Um, on the Facebook group, there were posts uh, I was reading today. Um, the people have already been admitted to schools. I don't know if you saw any of that, Ben. No, I didn't but see it. Now people been interviewing um, at a, at a couple different schools, and people have already been admitted, like offered admission um, for for law school in 2019. Okay. So today is Wednesday, September nineteenth. By the way, as we record this, yeah, and people have wow. already been admitted for the for for next September um, at some really good schools too. I think Duke might have been one of them. Um, hmm. <clears throat> and this is what happens when you have your ducks in a row and you apply early in the cycle. Yeah, good things happen. So yeah, it's that it sort of gives the lie to. Because we hear people say sometimes, oh, it doesn't really matter. The LSAC, all, all the law school people, they're, they're traveling a lot during the fall. So they're not really evaluating applications. Hmm. Well, apparently they are, though. Some of them are. Yeah. So having your shit together and applying at the beginning of the cycle, it, it's just it can only help you and never hurt you. Mm-hmm. Anything else for Will? No. Okay. I don't hate the LSAC. Do you hate the LSAC, Ben? I don't hate is a is a pretty strong word. Maybe yeah. maybe disappointed. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We just we love them so much that we hope we have higher hopes for them. Yeah, and but, they just keep uh, letting us down like a wayward child. Yeah. But it's it's never hate. It's uh it's we're 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 dishing out a little bit of um it's not hate. It's tough it's, love. Uh, yeah. Constructive criticism. <laughs> <laughs> These are listening. all just these are all just euphemisms for hate. Is that what? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They're not listening. Oh, look at this. Sarah even pasted the question into our agenda for us. Wow. This makes our lives so much easier. Yeah. Our lives are just getting easier and easier all the time. Sarah, we are going to double your salary. Yeah. Right now. Absolutely. Instant <laughs> doubling. All right. So this is the June. This question, this LR question, logical reasoning question, is from the June 2007 LSAT. If you don't know what that is, that's a free LSAT from LSAC, and you can just Google June 2007 LSAT, and it will pop up as a PDF, and you can download it and follow along. But we'll go ahead and read it right now. I guess I'll go ahead and read it and just walk through this question. Sound good? Yeah, absolutely. All right, so the question reads, All Labrador Retrievers Bark a Great Deal. A very straightforward sentence. Um, the only thing I'm thinking in my head is, wow, this is true for all of them. There's not an exception. Okay. I'm also just, you know, it does, that is a clear conditional statement, right? So sure. Absolutely. When I, when I see something like that, I go, okay, so I'm going to buy that as a premise, I think. It's mm-hmm. probably going to turn out to be a premise. It doesn't have to. It could be a conclusion, but it's probably a premise. Yeah. And... I'm going to have to accept it if it is a premise mm-hmm. and all Labrador retrievers bark a great deal. So that means every single, if you are a Labrador retriever, then I know that you bark a great deal. And then I, I just, I'm already on guard for confusing sufficient for necessary. Sure. Right. The second I see that I'm like, okay, so what are you going to say next? Jana's dog barks a great deal. Therefore, Jana's dog is a Labrador. Yep. You're yeah, not going to do that. Pretty are common you? flaw. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the most common flaw. 
mm-hmm. I think. So as soon as I see that conditional, I'm like, I go on high alert for, um, you know, conditional reasoning errors. Yeah. I think we found this repeatedly, haven't we? As we work with students that students just don't tend to take it one step at a time and they don't go deep enough on each element of an argument. Yeah. On each sentence or each clause. Mm -hmm. It's just amazing how much you can unravel it. If you, if you, you know, dig in one, one piece at a time rather than, cause I, I think you heard this strategy of like reading the whole thing twice. Mm. I, 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 I don't know that I've heard that recently. Is that something that's someone of yeah, just reputation like, just like, is advocating? Who's, who's advocating? No, 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 no. Nobody of reputation, just like random LSAT students. Like, well, here's what I do. You know, mm. I read the, I read the argument once quickly and then I read the stem and then I read the argument again more carefully. And it's like, mm, no, how about you just read it once better though <laughs> read it more deeply the first time mm-hmm. so that you only have to read it once because frequently the answer is going to just pop out if you take it one piece at a time yeah if you're if you're curious about like how to slow down we get that question all the time mm. well you keep saying how well, you keep telling me to slow down but i don't understand how i always finish early i can't slow down i don't know how to slow down well one way to slow down is to just really take a pause at the end of each sentence, like force yourself to take 10 seconds and just sit with that first premise mm-hmm. uh, before you move on to the next. Yeah. So continuing on this, the first sentence, all Labrador Labrador retrievers bark a great deal. Okay. Every single one of them does this. Yeah. Second sentence, all St. Bernard's bark infrequently. Okay. Mm. So similar kind of sentence, but now it's saying these other kinds of dogs don't bark very often, every single one of them. Uh, Although these two sentences are very strong and they tell us that every single one of one type of dog does something and that all, all, every single one of another type of dog does kind of the opposite, uh, it doesn't tell us about any other types of dogs. So I don't want right. to jump to any conclusions about that. I'm just kind of taking this information about these two subsets of dogs. You can, though, connect those two sentences. Um, if you wanted to, would you do that at this point? I, I certainly wouldn't draw it out because yeah. I'm, I'm, I am diagramming almost never on logical reasoning. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I diagram sometimes as a teaching tool but I don't think that most students should be drawing diagrams uh, unless you have to, in order to understand the argument, which I don't think you have to hear, but you could do the contrapositive of that second sentence here. If all Labradors bark a great deal and all St. Bernard's bark infrequently, sure. Then you can combine those two together. And the the conclusion basically is you can't be a Labrador retriever and a St. Bernard at the same time. Sure. Because one yeah. of them barks frequently and one of them barks infrequently. And you might be like, well, that's obvious, Nathan. Of course you can't. But then my immediate retort would be, what? Why can't you have? <laughs> Why? Really? I'm sure that there are Labrador Retriever St. Bernard crosses in real life. And surely that would be a Labrador Retriever and a St. Bernard, right? I mean, it would also be a mutt. Yeah. But it would be both, right? Yeah. But not according to these facts, right? So... 
they might be operating under the assumption that they're only talking about purebreds or something. Mm. Yeah. I mean, the next sentence is, each of Rose's dogs is a cross between a Labrador Retriever and a St. Bernard. Okay. (laughs) Which, you know, could be something different. I mean, what you're saying is that if you're a St. Bernard, purely, then you can't be a Labrador Retriever. But this is saying something else. This is saying that each of her dogs is a cross between the two, which is a whole different category of thing, right? That's the only way that this all makes sense. Mm Mm-hmm. Right, because otherwise Rose's dog is going to have to bark a great deal and bark infrequently, which just yeah. can't that can't possibly make sense. Yeah. So right. So my my response to that third sentence is, oh, okay. So you can be a cross. All of Rose's dogs are crosses between these two, but that now is just like a different thing. Yeah, it's half of one type and half of another type. Right. Which is neither of the original types. Yeah, so now that's just a mutt. Yep. Its dad was a Labrador Retriever that barked all the time. Its mom was a St. Bernard that never barked. It's a mix. And now they get to their stupid conclusion, probably, right? Yep. This is therefore, confirming that the first three sentences that we just read were premises and therefore claims that we must accept as true. Therefore, Rose's dogs are moderate barkers. Whoa. Mm. Now, the conclusion is not something that we have to accept as true. The conclusion is something that the author of the argument thinks is proven by the evidence that she provided. But in most cases, it is not proven. In this case, it's not proven. I mean, just because something is a cross between two types of dogs does not mean that it now (laughs) barks moderately. It's a whole new category of things. So we have no idea how it barks. Um, maybe it barks like Labrador Retrievers, or maybe it barks like St. Bernard's, or maybe it barks randomly. And this just says it barks, it's assuming that because it's a cross, it therefore has to somehow be halfway between barking a great deal and barking infrequently, which is not necessarily true. So this conclusion is not proven, and therefore this argument is flawed. Yep. And... I just, I kind of instinctively, maybe because I've been teaching LSAT for so long, I'm not sure that I always did this, but I think I probably did. Um, I like immediately have a matching flaw in my head. Like it took me five seconds to think about it. It's a very stupid. So here's what I, here's the first thing I thought. Mm -hmm. I said, well, this argument is exactly like saying chocolate is delicious Kale is healthy. So if you put chocolate and kale in a blender, it's going to be both delicious and healthy. Yeah. Mm. That's not exactly this is because delicious and healthy. I mean, okay. So maybe it should be healthy and unhealthy, right? Healthy and unhealthy and then moderately healthy. (laughs) Yeah. Or moderately delicious depending on. Although, yeah, moderately delicious. That's interesting. Okay. So moderately delicious would be good. So chocolate's delicious and, um, yeah, let's say kale. I actually like kale. So let's say kale is a moderate. It, no, so kale. Well, but no, we have to, it has to be not delicious though. Or rarely delicious. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So what's something that's rarely delicious? Can we agree on something that just tastes gross? Uh, well, it's the LSAT. So the premises just have to be accepted as true, even if they're not true. Right. So like shelled pistachios are awesome, 
Pat, but... how about pistachio shells? Okay, that's not <laughs> delicious. Okay, here we go. So chocolate is delicious, and pistachio pistachio shells are not delicious. Mm-hmm. So if you blend up chocolate and pistachio shells, it will be moderately delicious. Yeah. Okay, that's perfect, right? Perfect. Mm-hmm. Yep. And this question does turn out to be a matching flaw question. Which one of the following uses flawed reasoning that most closely resembles the flaws, the flaws, mm, the flawed reasoning used in the argument above? Somehow that doesn't, am I reading that right? This no, I just think Sarah typed it out. I don't think she copied and pasted this. I think she typed it out. Oh, wow, Sarah. That's impressive. Thank you. Um, I mean, that's my hypothesis. I, I, I have doubts about the hypothesis, but. We do have a typo here. Anyways, so we're going to go into the answers looking for an argument that basically does the same thing. All of one thing have a certain characteristic. All of another thing have the opposite characteristic. This third thing has both of those is a half between the first two things. Therefore, its characteristic must be halfway between the two, right? Something like that. Yeah, I mean, and my the chocolate and, and pistachio shells example is perfect. So now when I go into the answer choices, not only am I looking for something that matches the given argument mm-hmm. about Labradors and St. Bernard's and barking, but I also have my additional thing to try to match, which is my chocolate and my pistachio shells. Yeah. Right. Now it's like I have two data points now because I know I can just feel that the chocolate and pistachio shells thing was perfect. By the way, uh, a lot of people complain about these question types and say, hey, they take too long. And it is true that the five answer choices are five additional arguments. Yes. And so they do take up more space on the page. But as I think people will realize as we go through these answer choices, I mean, I don't know what's going to happen because we haven't gone through these in a very long time. But what usually happens for me as I go through these answer choices is that I start to read them. And then I stop before I even finish reading the entire answer choice. And so it's not the case that you have to read all this stuff. Uh, wrong answers can be eliminated without reading the entire answer choice. And that happens a lot in parallel reasoning. Yeah, absolutely. You, you definitely don't need to make it all the way through. And, and having a really clear prediction is going to help us to just recognize as soon as these answer choices start going off the rails, we're, we're out of there. Yep. Okay. So answer choice A starts out, all students who study diligently make good grades. So far, I like this answer choice. It seems similar to the original, all Labrador retrievers bark frequently or a great deal. I think some students would would read that though, and they would go, oh, well, it can't be the answer because students who study diligently. Yeah. The problem with that is that it's just like kind of where do you draw the brackets around what that sufficient condition is, you yep. know? Mm-hmm. And so if it's, yeah, it, it, it could be all students. Anyway, Ben is right. This still could be the answer because students who study diligently, if you just bracket that, mm-hmm. that is Labrador retrievers. Yeah. It's just a subset of things. It's just a set of things and whatever that set of things is. Right. Another way they could have said, all retrievers who are Labradors. Sure. Right. That would have, that would, that makes it may be more obviously parallel. So anyway, the first sentence of A is fine. Okay. Then it says, but some students and right now I'm done. Yeah. Goodbye. Mm-hmm. 
We we had all, all, each in the three premises in the original argument. Those are absolute universal claims. All of a sudden, this this argument in answer choice A brings in the word some, and it's, we never saw that. You know, if we get rid of the remaining answers, maybe there's some way that the LSAT has sneakily made this work. But I just have not seen this almost ever happen. So I'm done. I'm out of here. Correct. I'm expecting the answer choices to be wrong 80% of the time. Each answer choice is wrong. Yep. And so when it says something that sounds wrong, I'm just not even reading it anymore. Yeah. Okay. So A, out. Answer choice B, all type A chemicals are extremely toxic to human beings. Hmm. Okay, so all of a certain thing have this certain characteristic. Sounds so good so far. Yep. By the way, in class, what I'll sometimes do is I will stop here and I'll say, hey, class, if this were to turn out to be the correct answer, what would the rest of the argument have to say to make it work, right? Yep, <laughs> to see that's if a they're really like, good, yeah really good practicing tool to, is to see if you can, if the, fir, yeah, exactly. First sentence sounds good. Okay. What's the rest of it have to say to make it right? Yeah. And in this case, it's saying all type A chemicals are extremely toxic to human beings. So I'd expect it to say all of another thing are maybe not so toxic to human beings. Kind of like the original said they don't bark very frequently. Mm-hmm. And then we need something that says these two things are mixed together. Therefore, these two things are moderately toxic. Yep. <laughs> as opposed Perfect. To, so let's see what this says. The next sentence says, all type B chemicals are non-toxic to human beings. Okay, good yeah. So another far. category is the opposite. Yeah, this is good. This household cleaner is a mixture of type A chemical and type B chemical. Yeah. Okay. This is... Perfect. Following the original argument. Therefore, this household cleaner is moderately toxic. Yeah, this is this has got to be the answer. I would still read the rest, but I'm going to read them very quickly. And as soon as something seems wrong, I'm, uh, I'm out of there. Yep. The place to go fast is on the wrong answer choices. And we expect each answer choice to be wrong. We now have an answer that we, even though we expected it to be wrong, it just turned out to be right. Mm-hmm. And so now we can we can definitely um, you know very critically skim through CDE quickly. I think. Yeah. So C says all students at Hanson School live in Greene County. Okay, that's fine. All students at Edwards School live in Wynn County. Okay. Green County and Wynn County they're like two different things. They are different. So I guess I'll keep going. Yeah. Members of the Perry family attend both Hanson and Edwards. Bye. Whoa, whoa, this is weird. Yeah, members, like, you need a single individual who's attending both. Not some members are going to one, some are going to other. Well, yeah, so in order for C to be the answer, the argument, the given argument would have to have said, um, you know, some of Rose's dogs are Labrador Retrievers and some are, whatever, St. Bernard's. Yeah. But that's not what it said. It said that they're they're all across between the two. So that yeah, sees out, sees out. And if you were still not sure, it, the first part of the last of the conclusion says therefore some members of the Perry family. Yeah, we yeah. talked about all of Rose's dogs are moderate barkers. Yeah. Says out. Yep. D. All transcriptionists 
No shorthand. Okay. Okay. All engineers, no calculus. Goodbye. Why are you getting rid of it? Because you can clearly know shorthand and calculus at the same time. Those are not opposites. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I wanted barking and not barking. Sure. No shorthand, don't know shorthand. No shorthand, shorthand, no calculus. It's, It's just, it's already wrong at that point. Great. E. All of Kanisha's dresses are very well made. All of Connie's dresses are very badly made. Okay. Half of the dresses in this closet are very well made. Nope. Mm-mm. Nope. Goodbye. It needed to be a blend. It, it yep. needed to be this dress was made by oh, Kanisha dress- and Connie together. Yeah. Or all of oh. these dresses in the closet in this closet were made by Kanisha and Connie. Together. Were they even made by them, or just at least they are their dresses? Oh, right. right. Oh, I, I was assuming they were making them. Okay, yeah. but sure. Whatever. Whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then I needed to say, therefore, all of these dresses are moderately well made. Yep. But it's not. It's back to the ownership thing. Nah. Okay. Goodbye. That's gone. Yeah. Answers B. Answers B. Should we do the next one? Yeah. Okay. So this is... June 2007 test also, and this is section three, and this is question number 24, and it says, well, we have a sociologist speaking here, Mm. and the sociologist says, romantics who claim that people are not born evil, but may be made evil by the imperfect institutions that they form cannot be right, comma, and then I see the word for there. Yeah, let's stop. And that's yep, good stuff. absolutely. And I think that's where people, if you're really struggling with logical reasoning, it's probably because you're just blundering ahead there. Mm-hmm. Without, t- I mean, that's that's some heavy lifting so far. Yeah, there's there's a claim by other people, and then there's a claim about that claim. <laughs> right. There's a lot of shit going on here. A- and the comma for, mm-hmm. which is one of the clearest indicators that what was just said was the conclusion. Yep. Four means because on the LSAT. So that means they just said, I just said my conclusion and now I'm about to give you a reason why. Mm-hmm. So before I even get into the reason why I'm just going to be clear about the conclusion here, this sociologist is telling the romantics that they're wrong. Yep. And when somebody shows up on the LSAT, saying someone else is wrong, we need to hold them to pretty high standard there, right? We we need to we need to make sure that they've really got the goods on that. Sure. Yeah. And so, we need to know exactly what they're wrong about, right? Yeah. Right. So why are they wrong? What are they wrong about? Well, the claim is people are not born evil. That's one part of the claim. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But may be made evil by the imperfect institutions that they form. I'm thinking about, by the way, you know, I sometimes will personalize that to make sure I understand sure. what the hell they're talking about. Institutions that they form. I'm thinking about the church. I'm thinking about government. Government. I'm thinking yep. about mm-hmm. schools, corporations. corporations. Yep. yep. Okay. Yeah. All right. So that's so it's it's like a two part claim, right? It These is. romantics are saying people aren't born evil. Mm-hmm. But they can be made evil by the imperfect corporation that they formed. Yep. Okay. So that's interesting. If they can't be right, what does that mean? This sociologist believes. 
so your question, Ben, is, well, what does the sociologist actually think then if the sociologist thinks that claim is false? Yes, exactly. So the sociologist could be arguing with either of those two parts of the claim, right? Yeah, either one or both. And right. I, I do want to point out that I'm asking this because so many times I say to people, okay, what's the main conclusion? And they're like, well, the conclusion is that the romantics cannot be right. And it's like, yeah, okay, thumbs up. That is correct. The sociologist thinks that the romantics are wrong. But knowing that the romantics are wrong, in my mind, is kind of useless, right? It's like some people are wrong. What is the actual belief of the sociologist if they if the sociologist thinks that the romantics are wrong? Right. And it can be – so either the sociologist believes that people are born evil. Yep. Or the sociologist believes that people can't be made evil by – these institutions. Yeah. So that's funny because it's like exact opposite. Yeah. Like the sociologist might be, no, no, people are good and they are never turned bad. <laughs> right? Because yeah. that would make the romantics wrong. Mm-hmm. The romantics think that people may be made evil by the imperfect institutions that they form. The sociologist mm-hmm. might be like, no, no, that can't ever happen. Yep. They're born perfect and they can't ever be swayed. Or the sociologist could think that people are born evil in the first place. Mm-hmm. Or people could, or the sociologist could think, actually, you're exactly wrong on both points. Yeah. Romantics. The sociologist might be saying people are born evil and they can't be turned evil. So you're wrong on both parts. Yeah. Okay. This is all, by the way, before we've even read the second half of their argument. That is correct. Um, but that's because we're going to spend very little time with the answer choices and we're going to get it right. And the, the typical student just blunders right through the whole argument, doesn't really understand it, gets down into the answer choices way too quickly, then spends forever in the answer choices mm-hmm. because they have failed to actually comprehend the argument in the first place. And by the way, if you get it wrong for that reason, you've just wasted one and a half minutes, maybe two minutes or two and a half or three minutes, depending on how long it took you, because getting it wrong is the same as skipping it and not writing down anything. A getting it wrong is the world's worst waste of time. Yep. I mean, it actually costs you one fifth of a point because if you hadn't even attempted it at all, you would still have a one in five chance of guessing it correctly. Yeah. Right. If you're going to do a question, you need to realize that you're, you're costing yourself, you're investing one fifth of a point. That's your expected value from a guess. You're like, no, I'm not going to guess on this one. I'm going to do this one. So you drop one fifth of a point in the slot. You also spend whatever time is necessary in order to, in order to, to answer it. Mm-hmm. So yeah, you just better get it right. Otherwise you might as well just guess. People can't get that. They, they just can't get that point. I had somebody emailing me yesterday who was scoring 148 and like really concerned about the time (laughs) and, and just like your problem is accuracy. Your problem is going to be accuracy. You're, you're never going to get to a point where accuracy is not your problem. Mm -hmm. I mean, not when you're at 148 or 140, anything. The easiest way to get to 150 is just get like one through 10, right? Yeah. Um, okay. So these romantics, 
who claim that people are not born evil but be, but may be made evil by the imperfect institutions that they form, they cannot be right. Why? Well, because they misunderstand the causal relationship between people and their institutions. Hmm. Okay, so already they seem to be going after the second claim, not the first. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're not just saying, no, no. Babies who have never been exposed to institutions are evil. No. Right? They're not, not doing that at all. They're just saying, well, no, you're misunderstanding the causal relationship between people and their institutions. When you say misunderstanding the causal relationship, Ben, does that make you think of reversal of cause and effect? Uh, yeah. Or at least that there's a, that there's a reversal or maybe no causal relationship. Right. Okay. It's just the way they say it specifically with misunderstand. It's like reversal just kind of springs to mind. I agree. Cause like, it suggests that there is a causal relationship, but not the way you yeah. understand it. Right. And so reversal would be obvious. It's like the romantics think that the corporation is going to turn you evil, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but Hey, you're misunderstanding that, which is the other way around would be, Nah, the corporation was made evil because you're evil. Yeah. And that does turn out to be where they're going with this because they then say in the third sentence, they say, after all, which means here comes more evidence. Yep. Institutions are merely collections of people. So that certainly seems to be what they're going for there is, hey, how can an institution make you evil if an institution is just basically you to begin with? Yep. In other words, you're making the institution evil rather than the institution making you evil. And if that's the case, then people aren't made evil by their imperfect institutions. Yep. The institutions are made evil by them. But whether or not they're born evil is not really discussed. Right. Okay, so we have a pretty good handle on what the argument is saying. If I was teaching you, Ben, in class, or if it was if you were a tutoring student, mm-hmm. um, I would then say, "Well, what do you think about that argument?" I would say, <laughs> "Hmm." I mean, I have to accept the premises is true, yep. and the main issue I have with these two premises is that they're not as direct as they could be right by saying that they misunderstand the casual Mm -hmm. causal causal relationship between people and their institutions i'm sort of like okay well what does that mean does that actually mean that people affect their institutions but their institutions don't affect them Mm -hmm. Uh, if that's what you're saying then maybe i have to accept that as true but even if i have to accept the idea that people affect their institutions that does not mean that institutions don't affect people, right? Because you can have a causal relationship in both directions. Um, also, just because something is a mere, like even though institutions are just mere collections of people, does that not mean that they don't affect the people? So I feel like this person is providing some evidence for this idea that people are really affecting their institutions rather than the other way around, but it's not enough. So I'd like more here just really solidifying that idea. Yeah. 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 I, I think, boy, there's, we can take, it's funny. We could take like an hour to discuss each one of these questions if we wanted. (laughs) There's so much to talk about. It's so deep. It's it's so rich. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I love it when we do these questions. We we got to start doing more of these again. Yeah. When you say causation can go both ways. Yeah. How, do you have an example of that? Well, maybe it's not a very positive example, but if someone makes you angry, <laughs> yep, you could say that that person is causing you to be angry, but then the fact that you're angry can now make them more angry or behave in a negative way. And that in turn makes them angry, which then yep. makes you angry. So it's just like it feeds off of each other. You feed off of each other, right? So the causal relationship is going in both yep. directions. Yeah. Um, you know, al- alcoholism uh, can cause depression, mm. but depression can also cause alcoholism. Yep. Right. And those two things can happen at the same time. I mean, being um, eating too much definitely can make you fat. Yep. Being fat can also make you eat too much. Yeah. Yep. Right. So it's uh, um, the fact that. Uh, yeah. So um, we can push back a little bit here on this sociologist. That's one way that we can push back. Right. Mm-hmm. To back it up a little bit. One one thing that frequently happens is I would ask a student. Hey, what do you think of this argument? Yeah. And they would go now that they really understand the argument, they go, Oh, I think it's pretty good. Mm-hmm. What do you say then? Uh, it, that's not the standard. The standard isn't, well, is it pretty good? Is the conclusion mostly supported? The standard is, is the conclusion proven? Right. And as long as it's not, our job is to, be like a great attorney, which means to be like an asshole and absolutely (laughs) to say, yes, yes, yes. But you're the annoying person in the room who is objecting (laughs) to a proctor who does not give you a five minute warning. (laughs) Yeah. It's, there's no like justice and mercy and it's not about what's like what should be right it's about did you prove your case on the fucking page yeah even if you're right (laughs) no matter especially when you're right yeah that's when it matters the most because now you care i mean you know you're you're filling out an asylum application for your poor client who can't pay you anything but you're you're there on a sunday pro pro bono Mm -hmm. doing an application form uh, an application plea for your client, you, you yeah. know, this pro bono client yeah. and this client is going to get deported to a country where when they get back, they are going to get murdered by the police mm-hmm. if they get deported. Okay. Because sure. they are, uh, they are ref, they are, they are applying for asylum for very good reasons, which is that, you know, Hey, I'm gay. Everybody knows it. Being gay is not cool in my country. I'm going to get murdered when I go back. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Or I'm a political dissident or whatever. Okay. Lots of reasons why people might try to seek, you know, shelter here in the United States. Mm-hmm. And if you're that person's attorney, yes, they should win. <laughs> but filling out a pretty good application or petition or whatever it is, is not going to be good enough. Yeah. Right. You either prove their case on the page or you have not done your job. Yeah. So 
this that's where the LSAT is now extremely lawyerly. Mm-hmm. Because this sociologist's argument, even if you understand it and even if you think it generally makes sense, mm-hmm. when someone says, oh, yeah, I think it's pretty good, I then say, your job is not to agree. Your job is to disagree. Yeah. Right? You just said, Ben, that your job is to be basically an asshole. <laughs> if you're going to be a really good attorney, yeah, you need to be an asshole. Mm-hmm. So you have to take a contrary position to this argument, even if this turns out to be your client's argument. I mean, especially if this turns out to be your client's argument. Yeah. You have to be able to punch holes in it because if you don't, well, the government lawyer certainly is. Mm-hmm. Ben, you used to be one of those lawyers. <laughs> and I worked on an asylum case. I know you did. It's, it's funny. It's all coming around full circle. But like, yeah, I mean, if and, and Ben, that was your fucking job. You you had that you had to. Right. Like that yeah. was your duty was to punch holes in asylum applications if they weren't perfect. Yeah. And and you can just on the papers get somebody deported because I'm sorry, I feel sorry for you, but you did not fill out your shit properly. Like you did not make the claims that you need to make in order to be able to qualify for asylum. Mhm. Okay. Anyway, sorry to be talking. I mean, we're probably triggering everybody left and right now because these are real issues, you know, it's, it's sad. It's people's lives are at stake, but (laughs) people just have to like sharpen up their logic. Yeah. You have to recognize what legal writing and what legal reasoning really is. Right. It's very engineering ish. Yeah. And you know, even though you need to be an asshole, if the premises do in fact prove the conclusion, then you need to stand down and say, okay, proven right but but you should have a huge chip on your shoulder you should expect these arguments to be broken if not outright flawed then at the very least incomplete Mm -hmm. you should expect that and then when you recognize on the rare occasion that the premises actually do prove the conclusion then you notice that too yeah you should be very aware of that (laughs) you're like okay yeah, I do like the comedy golf clap in class when I see that, you know, I, I do the super condescending like, oh, you did it. Yay. Good job. You know, because like yeah. it'll and that's how it feels. It'll be like, oh, holy shit. You have this very straightforward premise and you have this very straightforward premise. And if you combine those together, you actually do reach this conclusion right here. Exactly the conclusion that you're trying to reach can properly be reached by the two premises that you have provided. And then I go, yay, good job. Yeah. You know, like it's a little T-ball league or something and you're (laughs) giving people more credit than they deserve. But that's because you were just expecting them to fail Mm -hmm. and they actually got there for once. And and you're going to notice that. So this sociologist, did they get there or not get there? They did not get there. Yeah, but this is this is missing for a variety of reasons, including the causation can go both ways. Yeah, but but not only that, I mean, do you have another objection? 
You probably already said it, but it was 10 minutes ago. <laughs> um, I mean, we, I, I don't, I don't think I did say this before, but I'm just thinking of a new thing right now. And that is, well, have we, maybe we've only rejected one of the claims. What about the one about them not being born evil? Is that a claim that we need to be rejecting as well? I mean, this argument has some ambiguity too. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. My my objection would be that last premise. Oh yeah, yeah. After all, institutions are merely collections of people. And that's where I think I my my first attack probably would be. Sure, like just because you're a collection of people does not necessarily mean that an institution is affected only by people. Uh, when people gather together and create an institution, that institution or the gathering of the people may turn around and affect the people precisely because they have gathered or joined. Yeah, I, and and I'm, I, it's like then it's like you're you're wanting to take this sociologist to school. You know, it's like philosophy. I don't know what it is. One, it's just it's very basic. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's like sociology, well, maybe. <laughs> yeah, it's like, hey, listen, isn't it possible that really well-meaning people could get together and create an institution, and then that institution? I mean, you know, like, what about a corporation? I'm sure or that Lord the of the Flies, who, or what was that? Yeah, 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 exactly. A, a corporation could have been founded on wonderful principles by wonderful, perfectly pure people. But nonetheless, can't it take on a life of its own? And weirdly, it's basically this argument, I think, has a part to whole problem. Right? It's assuming, based on institutions are merely collections of people. Sure. It's kind of assuming that the institution can't have different characteristics from the people the individual people. Yep. Mm-hmm. The right? institution, so, which is the whole, is merely its parts or something. Yeah. Or, so, and it's yeah. like, listen, Catholics can individually be super great people, but they might have created a evil institution in the Catholic Church, or corporations, people who shareholders or people who found a corporation can be perfectly. Um, good, oh. decent people. What are you doing over there? I'm stretching, man. I was just laughing <laughs> at the fact that you, had, you brought religion into it. I was like, oh, good. Inst- when it says institutions, <laughs> I'm talking about any institution now. I'm not shitting on religion specifically. I'm no, saying, no, I'm just, I'm just it, enjoying this. It it can be, it can, can't it be possible that the institution could be different from the people who founded it? Oh, of course. And then why can't that institution then turn around and have influence on the individual members? Yeah. So the sociologist just has not convinced me. I agree. That's that's a good thing because you want to notice that when you're not convinced. Okay. All right. Question says, which one of the following principles, if valid, would most help to justify the sociologist's argument? Hey, it's a principle question, Ben. Oh, yeah. Khan Academy and the LSAC call this a principal question, which is wholly useless. Yeah, and based on the discussion in our last show, 
we would need to modify our prediction based on this fact. <sighs> this is a strengthened question. It says, which one of the following... The principles here, just replace that with things. In fact, anytime you see principle, you can replace it with thing. Mm -hmm. It's not a magic word. It doesn't do, it doesn't mean anything. Which one of the following things, if valid, would most help to justify? You know what? Actually, you could just cross it out. Yep. (laughs) Which one of the following, if valid, would most help to justify the sociologist's argument? It is a strengthened question. Okay. And people are going to go, well, but you were attacking the argument. Oh, no. You can't strengthen it now because you're already on the other team. <laughs> no. <laughs> That's how we're... people think, right? That's the question stem first like mentality. Yeah. Is, oh, I should have been, been trying to help this argument because I was supposed to be strengthening the argument. Yeah. Mm-mm. No. Because you know what's wrong with it, you're best able to fix it. Exactly. Yeah. (laughs) That's funny. That's like a car mechanic. Can you imagine if your mechanic was like just only looking for the good things about your car? Well, I'm here to strengthen it. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I'm here to help you. So, boy, wow, look, boy, your tires got a lot. You got still a lot of life left on these tires. (laughs) You're like, yeah, it won't start. And they're like, oh, boy, the interior of this is really nice. Boy, that's stereo. Yeah. (laughs) okay so we we were attacking 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 and now we're switching teams to try to figure out which one of these five answers is going to help this argument the most Mm -hmm. uh you might make a prediction here you might try to predict a sufficient assumption Mm -hmm. uh let's just pretend we're not going to do that let's just go into a a says people acting together in institutions can do more good or evil than can people acting individually. Ben? No, that weakens the argument because that suggests that um, the institutions are affecting people's behavior or, I don't know. I mean, it doesn't necessarily even speak to the relationship between institutions and people. It just says that they are more capable, I guess. It so, doesn't help the argument because yeah. it's like institutions can do a lot of good or evil. Yeah. That doesn't sound like it's on the same team as this sociologist. Yeah. Okay. How about institutions formed by people are inevitably imperfect? That's <laughs> okay. So they're imperfect. Do they make you evil or not? Yeah. If anything, I mean, I, I could see that also weakening kind of in the same way that a can, right? Yeah. A's like, hell is A's like institutions can do good or evil more good or evil institutions do things that's bad for the argument yeah c is shitting on the institutions saying that the institutions are imperfect Mm -hmm. i don't see how that helps the argument c people should not be overly optimistic you could basically stop reading it right there yeah you're telling me what i should or should not do that's interesting. But, why why don't why doesn't should help this argument? Well, the argument is just about whether or not people mm-hmm. are born evil or whether or not they are made evil by the imperfect institutions that they form. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that's a factual claim. It's not a normative claim. It's not telling us how the world should be or shouldn't be. It's just telling us the way the world is or isn't. Mm-hmm. And so an answer choice that talks about the way people should act is useless. Yeah, it's very common 
very common difference on the LSAT, right? Sometimes we are describing what actually is. Mm -hmm. And sometimes we are talking about what should be. Yeah. And this argument, yeah, it was only about what is not. So C saying people should not, whatever, who cares? I don't care what that says. Yep. Okay. D, a society's institutions are the surest gauge of that society's values. What? Okay. (laughs) So it's an indication of whether we're good or evil, but it doesn't necessarily make us good or evil. Yeah. I just don't see how it has any bearing one way or the other. Yeah. E, the whole does not determine the properties of the things that compose it. Boom. Determine. Ooh. This is not the way I would phrase this, but that's the way they phrased it, and it works. I mean, if something, if the whole, in other words, the institution, does not determine or affect or change the properties of the things that compose it, then institutions do not determine the properties of the people that are in those institutions. And therefore they cannot, people cannot be made evil by imperfect institutions, or at least they can't be made evil by institutions that they're a part of. So this strengthens the argument, even if it doesn't prove the conclusion. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's close though to, are you sure it doesn't prove? I, I, I'm tempted to say it's a sufficient assumption. Well, the reason I don't think it does is because even if the whole does not determine the properties of the things, in other words, the people uh-huh. that compose it, could it not determine the property of people who are outside that institution? Oh, well, it says, though, these romantics are claiming that they're made evil by the perf- by the imperfect institutions that they form. Hmm. And if they form it, are they a part of it? Maybe so. Yeah. If oh well, but you're right, Ben. I mean, it, it can. That's open to interpretation. So. Um. Anyway, we hated A, B, C, and D. Yep. E sure seems to be a thing that would help this argument. Yeah. It's like on the on the sociologist's team. The sociologist is trying to say, "No, nah, your institution isn't causing you to be evil." E says the whole does not determine the properties of the things that compose it. If that's true, that's a pretty powerful strengthener. Yeah. And it's very broad. It goes way beyond institutions and people, but it does cover institutions and people since institutions, right? Because this is a strengthened question. This is, and you know, this is also where people are going to go so sideways if they start thinking about this as a principle question. Hmm. Can you imagine how much, how fucked up that has been? Because on a, it, like con, that thing that we saw on con was lumping this into strategy of argue or like basically a strategy question. Oh, really? Oh yeah. That would, that's my major beef with, with them th- talking about this as a principal question is that they actually had it in a category of, I forget what it said. I sent you a snarky email about it because I was, <laughs> I, I was just like, "What? How? How could they possibly be teaching that this way?" Yeah, but it was like something about they they had it all 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 confused. You know, they were just conflating all these different things where they're saying, "Oh no, this is this is about the structure of the argument. This is about the." We need a principle here that's about So it's like, and now you're confusing things because you're thinking that it has to be descriptive. Yeah. 
But this is not a descriptive question. It says which one, if valid, would most help. So we we don't have to like pick a narrowly tailored answer. Mm-hmm. We just need an answer that will impact this argument. So yeah. E, as you mentioned, Ben, is very big. It's very broad. It would affect a whole range of things other than just this the, the romantics claim. But it would affect the romantics claim. It would affect the sociologist's argument. Yeah. And so the fact that it's big and strong is only a good thing. Mm-hmm. The fact that it's overly powered is fine because it says which one, if valid, we get to assume the truth of this answer choice when we pick it because it's a strengthening question. Yeah. Okay. Did we beat that one to death? <laughs> I think we did. Good. Oh. Uh. Well, yeah, and I think we'll have to wrap it up there, but um, I'm glad we were able to do this, and I hope we can do more in the future. Me too. Me too. That, that, uh, it's good. It's good to get back on it. I think people generally can um, – that's what reviewing actually feels like. Yeah. You know? <laughs> I mean, now this is like two LSAT nerds who could literally talk about this question for an hour if we wanted to. Yeah. Um, but when you're reviewing your mistakes, it's just, it's not enough to just like look at the answer key and, you know, <laughs> you, you gotta go, you gotta go deep and, and see, um, if you could have predicted the answer and just really clearly understand why the right answer is right and why the wrong answers are wrong. And when you understand them, why didn't you see that during the test? Was there something about your process that led you astray? Or did you just really not understand the logic? Yep. Absolutely. Well. Okay. Um, we'll, we'll leave it there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, hey, uh, it's not too late to sign up for our class in a couple of weeks in Chicago. Um, go to thinkinglset.com and sign up for that class. We will see you there. Looking forward to it. Um, that was episode 159. Thanks all y'all for listening. Nice knowing you. Don't pay for law school.